All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are live with another Boca Podcast episode. I am your host, Nathan Hulritz, and it is wonderful to be back with you. Uh, took another break, maybe a week, week and a half or so since the last episode, last live stream, and um, had an opportunity to travel for business and a little bit of fun with some family, and uh, we're back at it again. And I'm excited to be here with you, and I'm really excited to actually introduce my guest here in just a few seconds. But a couple of housekeeping notes. Number one, for those of you that are listening to the audio version of this, make sure that you come join us for these live streams. We live stream every single Boca Podcast episode, youtube.com slash Boca Podcast, facebook.com slash Boca Podcast. So you can come hang out, you can ask questions. And to that point, for those of you that are watching live, that are streaming live, please don't be shy. Have a conversation with us. Ask questions, ask our guest questions. If you just comment, I'll be watching for those comments. I'll pop them up on the screen and you can be part of the conversation. Let's make this a group discussion. And then one other quick note uh, that I, of course, promised everybody that I would uh, do this before every episode or the very intro of every episode. Um, And that is, I want to encourage you to look for opportunities to give back. I made my donation today to Charity Water before this episode, as I promised you all that I would do. I just popped that receipt up on the screen there just for proof. Uh, but I just I just say this to encourage everybody listening in and watching to look for opportunities to give back, whether it's to your local community or to international or national organizations. Look for those opportunities. A little bit of money can go a long way, and uh, I think we should all take advantage of opportunities to to give back in that way. All right, enough of uh, the the introduction and monologue. I want to bring in my guest for today, uh, and it's truly my privilege to have Courtney Porter with me. Courtney, thank you for coming to hang out with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Uh, me too. Me too. <laughs> well, we had some really great conversation at the cookout conference this past week. Is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess it was earlier this week. It wasn't even this past week. Yeah, just earlier this I week. I know. I know. <laughs> and um, I, I'm not sure if I'd somehow made this connection previously, but you you said I'm a therapist. And I'm like, of course, my, my ears perked up because I'm just fascinated by the world of psychology. And you specialize in self-care. Maybe let me just let you give a brief intro as to your profession and your specialty in the realm of therapy, if you will. Well, I am a mental health therapist in Memphis, Tennessee, and I focus on helping entrepreneurs understand what self-care is and when it's important for them to implement it into their daily routine. Perfect. And by the way, brilliantly done. We talk a lot about brand position here on the on the podcast. What is that statement that represents how your brand is different from others? What specialty you bring to the marketplace? And you just did that so succinctly. And I think all of our listeners could actually take that as, as a great example of how to go about communicating that. Did it take you a little bit of time to kind of dial in that that message? Yes, because I didn't know there's so many people that I can help as a therapist, but I was trying to figure out, okay, where's the need most, you know, known or seen. So, but, and the crazy thing was it was right in front of me. What drew me to this was my husband because he's a full-time photographer and I saw his struggles and everything he would share with me throughout his interactions with clients and just how he thinks and how he feels. And I'm like, man, you know, entrepreneurs are out here pouring into everybody else, but who's there for them when they need an outlet? And I was mm. like, aha, I can focus <laughs> on <laughs> entrepreneurs yeah. and helping them take care of themselves. So that's kind of how it came about. 
which is brilliant on, on a couple of different levels. First of all, your husband, and we're going to talk about the photography business because you you also shoot with Marcus, correct? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about your photography business here in just a second. I am a huge fan of Marcus. Marcus has this this energy about him. Like you just see him. I, he was there at the conference this week, and I just see him walking around, and he's got this energy in his eyes and this just general happiness about him that is so attractive. Like you want to hang contagious. out around him. You want to be around him. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, and it's funny. I was just talking to my my girlfriend earlier today, who also helps produce the Boca podcast and, and run our digital mm-hmm. marketing. And I was saying, I want to be that to people. I want to bring that kind of energy where people enjoy being on the other side of me. That's the kind of thing that I want to be. Marcus is is a wonderful example of that. And you know what? Since we're talking about it, let's just very quickly, I'm, I'm going to pull up y'all's website uh, or Marcus's photography brand, Marcus Porter, D Porter Studios. It's Marcus D, the letter D, porter.com for anybody listening in or watching. And um, we'll link to this, of course, in the show notes. The Instagram for that brand is Marcus D. Porter Weddings as well. We'll also link to that in the show notes. But then, Courtney, I want to come back to your website, CourtneyLPorter.com. For everybody listening in, just like it sounds, again, we'll link to that in the show notes. But you were talking about your brand position, and I've just got it up here on screen. And by the way, above the fold, also something we talk about here on on the podcast, helping entrepreneurs take better care of themselves, one moment of self-care at a time. I, I just have to give you major props because it's just so beautifully presented and worded, very clear, easy to understand. You call out a target market, which is a big part of a good brand position statement. And you talk about how you're specifically serving that market because there are a lot of therapists um, that are dealing in mental health, but you very specifically say you're dealing with the topic of self-care as it relates to entrepreneurs. I love the specificity of that. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and again, we'll link to all of these these uh, sites, and of course, your Instagram as well. I should go ahead and pull that up very quickly. Uh, Instagram, Courtney L Porter L C S W, which is a fancy way to say that you are official <laughs> as a therapist, right. right? In other words, right. <laughs> what What do those letters stand for? I'm licensed clinical social worker. Perfect. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So just for everybody to have a little bit of context and also just to your credentials as we get into this topic today too, I think it's important for people to know that as well. Uh, but let me actually continue on with the next question. And this is kind of fun because I know that your your work as a therapist is kind of your primary focus, but you're also a photographer. You're working with mm-hmm. clients from both worlds. But right. I'm curious as a business owner, what would you say has been for you one of the most important principles or ideas behind providing a really great customer experience? And by the way, if it differs between two businesses, let us know that too. Um, I think it coincides. And one thing is service is how well can I serve my client during their experience and interaction with me? Okay. The main principle is service. Hmm. You Just like when you see when you say you saw Marcus around and he just has that look in his eyes, Mm -hmm. he's busy. He's, you know, scoping and seeing who he can serve, like how well he can help people. And so when clients come in front of us, how well can I serve this client? Because they came to me for a reason. What, how great of an experience can I give them? So once they leave, they'll remember, you know, they'll remember what happened and they won't forget this interaction. Yes. Okay. So I love this word personally. Um, and it, uh, maybe I can, I can relate to it too, because it's something that I'm working on. I think the idea of service kind of connotates a sense of humility, right? We're kind of setting ourselves yes. 
aside to a point, mm-hmm. obviously not to an unhealthy level, but we're setting ourselves mm-hmm. aside for the sake of taking care of somebody else, for, for the sake of serving somebody else. How, how do you define that, though? And where is, I'm gonna, we're going to go to the, your, your expertise as a therapist here, too. Where is the line between serving somebody, but then in some cases maybe going so far beyond in, in where we're kind of pushing ourselves aside that that can become unhealthy? The line is drawn when it affects how you see yourself and how you're starting to relate to other people. When it has an impact on your energy, on your mental well-being and your spiritual well-being, then you start to see the conflict of, "Mm, Matt, I think I'm doing a little too much in this area. So I need to scale back and focus on things that I can improve into get my mental health back on track and my emotional health. Mm. So I won't feel so like I'm lacking. Interesting. So would you say that, that I mean, there's so much conversation. This very much relates to the, the topic we're going to get into today, which is self healthy self care. Uh, but our culture talks a lot about prioritizing ourselves mm-hmm. before taking care of others. And I grew up in a in a very conservative home, a religious home, and you know there's a lot of conversation around the idea of service and as it relates to a, a spiritual conversation as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but honestly, I, I, I and maybe that's part of why. But I cringe a little bit when I see these conversations because it seems like it would be easy in this case that we become so obsessed with ourselves. Uh, and mm-hmm. taking care of ourselves then that we kind of neglect the other person. And we're going to talk about this in more detail a little bit later. But I guess, again, maybe the question for me is where is that balance? Do do we really truly prioritize ourselves first? Does it put us in a better mental state to take care of others? Or where's the line? I think that's a valid point because I, too, identify as Christian. And I grew up in a Christian household. And we hear the the text and the scriptures do unto others Mm -hmm. as you would have them do unto you. Mm -hmm. And in culture is how I treat myself is how I treat others. Mm. So it's almost cyclical. You know, it goes in a cycle Mm. and even in relation to scripture, even Jesus took time to have his Sabbath and he had to pull away to rejuvenate. And if we were to follow his example, then that means at some point we can't always be so vulnerable to everyone else Mm. to where we don't have time to pull aside, Mm. to rejuvenate and refresh ourselves. So we can have the energy to pour back into others. So it's one, it's like a domino effect. One helps the other, helps the other. That totally makes sense. And, and I actually like the way that you, that you pose that, where it has a cyclical effect. If we're taking care of ourselves, we're, enabled, we're able to better take care of others. It's not one or the other. One helps mm-hmm. the other. And, I, and I, I like that. I think in my mind, I tend to be a bit of an extremist and, and not always look at things from a balanced perspective. I think that's a much more balanced perspective. And I, and I love that perspective. Let me keep going. Um, okay. A totally different type of question, time management. I mean, you, you already talked about Marcus. And you all seem to have a pretty cool connection, but I'm, I'm curious how you're balancing running multiple businesses and then your own family life as well. Is there an idea that drives the way that you manage time so that you don't get overwhelmed, so you don't get burnt out? You know, that took a while to um, hone in on because you want to give so you want to give such a great service to your clients and you want to know 
you want them to know that you're there for them. But I think it's also important, um, and we talk about, to have a cutoff time. Even our clients, if we try to reach out to them, all of us have periods to where we work from this time to this time. Mm -hmm. And we can't always feel that we're to be at someone else's beck and call whenever they need us. Mm. And I tell Marcus, I tell myself, like, someone else's urgency is not my emergency. Because they're making it important to them right now doesn't mean it's important in the grand scheme of things. Mm. So that's tough to actually put that in place, though, isn't it? Like, it's very tough. Yeah. And that hones in on the boundary aspect. Mm. And it's tough because we feel that we have to do it. Like in order to hold on and keep somebody, we have to continue to sacrifice our time to Mm. gain money at the end of the day. And so we we just associate sacrifice with reward Mm. um, when that's not the case. So with time, I think it's important to have a cutoff. Okay. I handle my clients from this time to this time. Once five or six o'clock hits, it's family time because something that's going to always come up, a client is going to always have a question, which is okay. And their question can be answered, but within the time frame that you placed it. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Okay. So maybe just to kind of break this up a little bit, I'm curious because you talked about sacrifice doesn't equal financial reward. The reality is it does. So I think maybe the question is where, where do we draw the line again? Because we all know that hard work does bring eventually anyway, financial benefit, but Mm -hmm. we can also, like you're saying, we can work all day long. We've got to create a cutoff at some point. I wonder if there's some conversation about the sacrifice for the sake of financial benefit and how much sacrifice, how much we're willing to give up in our own personal relationships for that. There's got to be a a cutoff there somewhere, right? There is a cutoff. And when you see your family letting you know, a lot of times our answers are in how our close circle responds to us Mm. or interacts with us. When they're saying, when your girlfriend saying, okay, Nate, are you still you know, you're still working on this. It's such and such time. Do you want to go out? That's letting you know, (laughs) oh, okay, maybe I'm spending too much time. Okay, let me put this to the side because she expressed a need, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm willing to put this to the side to cater to her during that moment. So our close circle and our family will express what they need from us. Mm. And it's up to us to respond appropriately and how we address it and cater to them as well. That makes sense. Prioritize them. I think that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. And there's a certain amount of, uh, I guess, maybe a little bit of ego that we have to set aside too. Because in some cases, mm-hmm. I know in the context of a relationship, it could be easy to take it personally, almost like we're being scolded or nagged at, right? We need to stop doing this or stop doing that. But the reality is that we really as individuals should be proactive in creating some of those boundaries. There would be mm-hmm. less need for those types of conversations, number one. But then keeping an open mind, like you said, out of humility and out of desire to to further the relationship with this, this person or these people, our kids, partners mm-hmm. or otherwise, um, keeping an open mind to, to their needs and, and desires is super important and a willingness to set aside our, in many cases, subjective preferences for that benefit. I think it's, it's good to keep an open mind to that. Right. Because time is something that that's the most equal thing in this world is time. All of us have the same amount, but it's all in how each individual chooses to use it. And 
that's one thing we can't get back. We can sacrifice a lot of it and we can give it out, but we can't get it back when it comes to our family and our friends. Yeah, that's so true. Wow. Well, okay. So speaking of that, then something we talk about a lot here on the podcast is delegation. Now, in the context of the photography world, outsourcing editing, I mean, first of all, it's a natural conversation for me because I own an editing company. But I also know just from personal experience running a photography business and then ultimately now multiple brands in the industry, how important it is just generally to delegate, to to hand a task or a series of tasks to somebody else and say, look, I can't do it all on my own. I need your help. Um, So I'm curious what this looks like in either of your businesses. Have you experimented with this process of delegation in any way? Yes, I know. (laughs) I know when it comes, when it came to creating my website and um, my CRMs, how I interact with my clients. When I got confused, Marcus was my person I delegated. Like, hey, I need you to help fix this graphic, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> help me out with that. When it comes to photography, it is important to have other editors in place. Like, we've used photographers, edit, image salon, fix the photo, certain those people that are in place. Photographers that edit's the best, by the way. Just just saying. Just saying. Hence why I said it first. <laughs> number one. Okay. <laughs> Fair play to the other companies though. Okay. Right. Yeah. Go right. ahead. Go ahead. And so I think it's important to know exactly like you said, when you can't do it all. Because in my interactions and in working with entrepreneurs, because you are establishing a business, your own business, you have you feel like you have to have your hand in everything, which is not all bad. It's not a bad thing because mm. it's important when you have your own business to know how to do everything in your business. So you can mm. delegate mm. to other people how to do it. But as an entrepreneur, it's hard to grow when you're doing everything by yourself. 100%. As the quote says, if you want to fast, go alone. If you want to go far have a team mm. deal with other people. Mm. So that's my take on that. <laughs> well, and, and that, I mean, just that quote sums it up so brilliantly. It's so true. Photographers get so kind of, and by the way, I speak from experience, but photographers get mm-hmm. in their own head and exactly. begin to kind of obsess over the notion that they have to touch everything or it's not going to be successful. But to your point, if we want the long game, it's, it's, there's no way that we can effectively do everything on our own forever. If we want the long game as a business owner, and by the way, as mm-hmm. a family person or as a friend, right? There's no way that if we're taking everything on our own that we can effectively balance everything that we've got going on in our business and our personal life. So uh, that brilliantly right. sums it up. That's really, really good. Uh, last qu- question for you before we get into this topic of self-care specifically. A self-help book or a business book that you would recommend to our listeners, something that's made a really big impact in your life? You know, I really love to read and I try to read a new book every month. Okay. But the one book that really, really changed my mindset in my life was The Power of the Subconscious Mind. Um, I read that book and I tend to even go back to it as a refresher. That is such a game changer personally, professionally for your business, um, in your personal life, because it teaches you that everything starts with your mindset. And if your mindset is not in tune, then it shifts Mm -hmm. everything else around you. Okay. So I would recommend the power of the subconscious mind. And I believe that's Joseph, Joseph Joseph Murphy. Murphy. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I pulled it up right here. For anybody who's watching live, you can see in Amazon, Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy. The subtitle is Unlock Your Master Key to Success. That's really fascinating, actually. I'm going to have to add that to my... Oh, it's only $2 for the Kindle. I'm going to have to just buy it. Um, it, it sounds like something right up my alley. I, I love the way that uh, our minds play such a significant role in our... Well, just everyday life. And it seems like an obvious statement, but I, I'm listening mm-hmm. to a podcast right now by... Uh, a neuroscientist, and he, he was talking about the significance of hormones, or actually, in some cases, the lack of significance. We give so much significance to, to when it comes to our overall physical health, the significance of, of our hormones and the role that they play, and they play a, a, a massive role, right? But he was also talking about the fact or the reality that we're talking on this individual episode about how our minds actually play a much bigger role in some cases mm-hmm. than what we thought they did. That, that they, in some cases, kind of override the presence of the hormones because the way that we frame things internally, whether, to your point, it's subconscious or conscious, the way that we frame things in our mind, what we believe about a situation, a scenario, or any number of things can have such a massive impact on how we think, how we feel, and then ultimately how we act. And if we don't have a certain amount of self-awareness and learn how to kind of get a little bit of control over that, that crazy mind of ours, we put ourselves in a pretty tough spot. Yes. And then I think of, I, I'm really, I, a lot of, of what I do is spiritually based. And when you brought up your spiritual upbringing, I was like, yes, I get to throw in some nuggets. And what brings to mind is whatsoever a man thinketh, so is he. Mm. When it comes to our mindset and our mental, our, you know, our thinking shapes so much of everything that you said, our behavior, our habits, our conversation. If I think it, then I do it. Mindset. You have coaches out here. Every every time they start, powerful speakers, whenever they start with something, they talk about initially your mind. Where's your mind at? How, what are you telling yourself? Um, how do you, what do you think about yourself? And that determines how we move in life. And I, I think in this day and age, and really this is going to be a great segue to what we're going to talk about today. Uh, and maybe not quite enough responsibility is taken for, I guess, ourselves generally, but more specifically, the significance that our mind plays in how we feel and think about, th- well, obviously think about things, but how we feel about things. Because in mm-hmm. our culture now, we've put so much emphasis on feelings, right? We've kind of had this this rebound, if you will, from say 50 years ago, 60 years ago, where in culture and certainly previous to that, there wasn't a lot of significance given to feelings. They were downplayed, mm-hmm. in fact, uh, in many circles, in day-to-day kind of life, traditional, or excuse me, cultural um, conversations. Now we've gone kind of the other way. The pendulum has swung, and we give so much weight to feelings to the extent that, that people speak of their feelings as though there's something that can't be controlled uh, or that they can mm. not have any kind of impact on. And right. I've learned from personal experience and certainly from, from research uh, or reading as well um, that that's certainly not the case, that we can actually have a massive impact on how we feel. But a lot of it, again, it goes back to how we manage our mind. And if we're not doing so proactively, then we become almost slave to our feelings. And that, mm-hmm. that kind of, I don't know, that, that kind of mentality just, just, it seems so defeating at the end of the day because we're giving power to we're giving power to outside circumstances. We're giving mm-hmm. power to those feelings, despite the fact that we actually have some control over them. 
And we're limiting ourselves as individuals, I think, in such a way that it's just, it's problematic. I, I know that's a big conversation, but do you have any initial it, thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> it, it can, you know, go, on a, go off in a tangent, but your, our thinking triggers our feelings. At the end of the day, you're thinking, we have thousands of thoughts that run through our mind on a daily basis. And our feelings change in a matter of seconds. And we have something um, called initial, your initial, your primary primary emotions, your secondary emotions. I felt something before I felt this new emotion. I was happy and all of a sudden I got upset. Like, why is that? It all revolves around our thought process. And if we understand that feeling, it's okay to have feelings in the car, but we can't let them be the driver. Yes. You know, they can be in the car with us, but they can't drive us because it causes so much recklessness, impulsive Mm. behavior. Mm. And like you said, it takes the responsibility off of if I actually thought through this, then I would have made a better decision. It reminds me of a book. Um, Have you ever read The Untethered Soul, Michael Singer? I've heard of it. That's on my that's on my book of. Your my, list, readers, your book my reader's list? book, yes. Okay, yes. if you don't have a copy of it, I'm going to get it for you because I, I think you'll, you'll absolutely love it for multiple reasons. But one of the things, one of the really biggest takeaways for me anyway from that book was the way that he framed the, uh, our engagement with our thoughts. Mm-hmm. And in such a way that just like I you know, pick up this pen, for example, or I write on the notebook that's in front of me or I'm talking into this mic, I have the ability physically to engage with an object, the way that I choose to engage with that object. What Michael proposes or purports is that we can engage with our thoughts in the same way, or we Mm -hmm. can engage ultimately with our feelings in the same way thoughts create feelings. So what that did for me anyway, was kind of shift the perspective, which was, okay, instead of feelings happening to me, I may have them, but instead of giving them so much significance, and he talks about this in the book, kind of giving the significance to that so-called voice inside our head and letting it just Mm -hmm. carry us away, that I can choose how to engage with those thoughts and ultimately those feelings. I get to choose how to engage with them. That's so, I mean, we use the word empowering in our culture. In my mind, let's start with the empowerment of choosing how to engage with our thoughts and feelings. That's that's incredible. And and again, Mm -hmm. it, it takes away this idea that, the world at large is just kind of guiding us. Like it happens to us. Certainly, certainly there are a lot of things that are out of our control, but how we respond to that, how we ultimately feel within that, a lot of that is actually in our control. We can choose how to engage with those feelings much the same way that you described. So I'm going to get you a copy of that book because um, I think you'll, <laughs> you'll absolutely love it. And just a little side note for anybody um, that is listening, and I'll just mention really quickly the podcast that I was referencing in case we have any kind of science nerds out there. Um, Andrew, I think it's Andrew's his first name. Yeah. A- Andrew Huberman or Uberman, H-U-B-E-R-M-A-N. He's a neuroscientist and has a podcast. It's a little bit on the nerdy side. It gets in the weeds with the science <laughs> stuff, but I find it fascinating in case anybody is, is curious. And uh, we can just link to that in the show notes too for anybody who might want to go there. Okay. So let's get back on track then to, not even back on track, kind of segue to this conversation mm-hmm. around self-care. When Courtney, you and I were talking earlier at the, or at the conference earlier this week, the thing that caught my attention about this conversation around self-care, um, I guess very much follows what I was already commenting about with regards to our culture's, uh, I guess the general cultural conversation around feelings. Because it seems as though we've gotten to this place in our culture where we're obsessed with the notion of self-care. And mm-hmm. um, so I want to get your thoughts on that. Before we go there, though, can, do you mind just 
defining, first of all, at least from your perspective, what self-care actually is? Self-care is housekeeping of your mental, your physical, your spiritual, emotional well-being. Hmm. How well can I take, how well am I taking care of my overall well-being? And to add to that, I would even say, because if I'm not taking care of those areas of my life, it's hard to give my to serve in the best capacity when I'm not mentally present, mm. when I'm not motivated, and when I'm not rested. Mm. And those play a key part in my um, in how I housekeep my mental, my physical, my spiritual, my emotional well being. Okay, so and and I love the the simplicity of that definition too. By the way, um, I think a lot of times it's easy to overcomplicate things. So I, I love simplicity. I, I guess then just to follow up that and kind of build on some of the thoughts I was sharing earlier, and maybe I come off like the, the cynical old guy, I'm not sure, but um, I, I guess because of my upbringing, um, and I won't get into it in too much detail, but I, I certainly, I, I was not coddled in the least, shall we say. Uh, my, my dad was super structured, super disciplined. I grew up in a, in a family that was, we were more than taken care of, but we didn't have a lot of money. Um, it, I, I come from an environment where, things weren't just simply easy, if you will. And mm-hmm. so I, I think maybe I've developed a little bit of a shell and, and ultimately have also realized my shortcomings when it comes to playing to my emotions, giving to my emotions and that affecting my life negatively as well. And ultimately realized the significance of discipline and structure just in general, certainly for myself, but a, a significance of it for us as just as human beings. Um, and discipline as it relates to certainly running businesses and when I hear when I hear this idea of self care, I think the reason I, I cringe is a lot of my perspective on life comes from kind of looking at a bigger picture. And when we as are living in a first world culture, obsessing over this idea of self care, and I look at third world culture, for example, and all that they deal with, and you never hear them talking about self care. They're just trying to get by. And I, I compare mm-hmm. the two things. I'm like, what, who are we to even be talking about this so obsessively when we have so much in front of us, right? Uh, it's, certainly, there are always exceptions, but generally speaking, we have so much here at our fingertips in a first world mm-hmm. culture. There's so many people around the world, um, certainly some, in some cases here in the, the US, but certainly around the world, especially in third world cultures who have access to so little. And when I think about that, for me, it puts things in perspective and I, I can stop my whining pretty quickly. When I, when I hear about this, this notion of self-care discussed so much, to me, it feels like we've gone maybe a little over the top. I don't, I don't think there's, in fact, I, I certainly agree with you that we need to take, our, take care of ourselves mentally and physically 100%. In fact, I'm realizing it even more um, in the last, say, six months mm-hmm. for myself personally. But that's kind of the perspective that I'm coming from. And I happen to follow this YouTube. And I, I, I sent you this link. And we'll link to this in the show notes for everybody um, who is curious to look at it. Uh, this YouTuber who, to, just to be very clear, first of all, doesn't necessarily reflect the, the perspective of, of this podcast. <laughs> and, and I don't even follow him that closely. I, it was the most random thing, seemingly, Courtney, that mm-hmm. he literally posted this video, I think, like two days ago or three days ago as we were getting wow. ready for this conversation. Yeah. Um, and, what, and his name is Matt Davella. And uh, like I said, we'll link to his, his podcast or his uh, YouTube channel in the show notes um, for those of you who are curious. But he actually, the, the video was t- entitled, Self-Care Might Be Turning You Into a Narcissist. 
and he goes into in detail and it sounds like an extreme title. It's not as extreme as it might sound, but the, the simple version of it um, is that he's saying we've become so obsessed with taking care of ourselves that we've kind of lost sight of, of serving others to your, your earlier point, Courtney, and that there seems to be this imbalance. And he's, he's putting it out there because he's concerned about it. I'm certainly concerned about it. And so I wanted to kind of bring this to you and get your take. I know that was a very long-winded kind of introduction to this, but where do you think the balance is between self-care and where do we cross that line where it becomes kind of obsession over self and narcissism to the point that it's debilitating or problematic in relationships? And, and I saw the video that you were talking about. And I look when I watched it, I was like, OK, you know, he makes a good point, but he 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 talked about it more so from a one sided perspective. Hmm. And I think he more so focused on the self-care that culture pushes, Hmm. pushes on us, which is more external. Um, I'll use the analogy. Culture makes it seem more like it's more important to focus on making sure my front lawn is manicured and that the grass looks green rather than what the rooms look on the inside of my house, which is where I mainly live. I don't live on my lawn, but because people pass, culture makes how people view us more important than how we view ourselves. Hence his take on that self-care narcissistic aspect because narcissists tend to have that sense of entitlement that everything we revolves around them. And what separates it is self-care. If I'm not at my best, then I'm not able to serve others in my fullest capacity. Um, I, if I'm depressed, if I'm burnt out, if I'm irritable, then I won't be of any good to anyone. So I don't see it as a narcissist behavior, but I can see people taking it out of context and going in a whole different way with it. But that's not what it's meant <clears throat> to be used for. Okay. That that's makes- not the idea of it. That makes sense. Yeah. And again, the, the title was extreme and the video may even be extreme too. I, I don't want to give too much weight to it. I just, it, it, the title played to some of my concerns that I have around this, this conversation. And so it was a nice mm-hmm. segue to conversation for us. And it was just so crazy that it popped up in the feed here just a couple of days beforehand. Um, it was, it was. I, we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. Maybe kind of a follow-up question to that though. If, do you, do you think... Um, and this is such a general question. There's so much, so many like subjective scenarios that, that, that we could potentially talk about here. But do you think that we actually need as much self-care as we are talking about in culture? Or is it maybe just that the phrase is too general and we're not talking in specifics? I do think culture has made self-care a buzzword and almost like entrepreneurship, <laughs> Like everybody has to be an entrepreneur. And if you're not, you know, then you're not living. And that's not everybody's road to go down. Right. So I do think people over overuse the word and okay. take it out of context okay. and not make it subjective hmm. to where it caters to spe- specificity. Like you said, um, it is overused. Okay. And, and again, I may be coming off the cynic here. I, I think just where I'm coming from on a very simple level is that I, I feel 
um, as though maybe in some cases, especially when it comes to psychology, and again, it's a, it's a loaded topic and we all come from different mm-hmm. backgrounds and scenarios and situations. And so I, th- there's no way that I can be simplistic and kind of making general statements. But as I said earlier, when I, when I look at things from perspective um, and what many, in fact, anybody who right now is watching or listening to this on a $1,000 phone or even a $500 phone or a you know, two $3,000 computer, we have means in some way, shape or form to be able to do this. And, and our culture's obsession with, with the, the so-called need for self-care, I just wonder if maybe in some cases we blow situations out of proportion and then mm-hmm. this need for self-care also gets blown out of proportion. I wonder if it, it wouldn't, if we'd be in better places just generally from a mental health perspective, if we kept some of that perspective in mind, is that, is that too harsh or is that too simplistic? What are your thoughts? Um, I get, I get where you're coming from. And I do think that it, there has to be, it has to be drawn, like drawn in and it, it, it just can't be exaggerated. And I think it should be drawn in and made more simplistic to where, um, people do have a better, a better take on why it's not dealing so much with wants but what is it that I need for myself to be better in this moment? Not what I want, because like you said, a thousand dollar phone, I really, it's more of a want than what I need. You know, having a flip phone will do me just fine because it still gets the call through, you know? So over, over extending wants over needs is the false, the false idea Mm. of self care. Okay. Oh, I like that. I like the differentiation, that distinction. Okay, so let's take it away from my cynicism and bring it back to this conversation <laughs> around, because what we're talking about ultimately today is healthy self-care. And as I said earlier, mm-hmm. I, I don't minimize the need, the, the significance of self-care. I, I spend time, quite a bit of time in the gym. Um, I get massages, whether it's through one of those massage chairs at the gym or uh-huh. going to a masseuse. <laughs> Um, I, I like to get good rest and, and, and take breaks over the weekend. I like to spend time with people. Like, these are all things that for me ultimately help me mentally and physically. So mm-hmm. I, again, I don't want to minimize the significance of it. It's, it's actually really important. And that's why I kind of wanted to have this conversation with you today was to not just simply talk about self-care, but a healthy self-care. And you've already made a couple of important distinctions about what is healthy self-care and not one of those that you just mentioned, a want versus a need. When you when you have somebody in your office um, or you're coaching maybe virtually, do you, how do you create that distinction for the person that you're talking to between a want and a need? Because once you do that, I'm sure the perspective shifts and it makes it easier than to talk about healthy self-care. How do I make the distinction between the want and the need? Priority, like really having them hone in on, okay, what's priority for you in this moment Mm. and what's impacting how you're feeling in this moment based on your want versus your need. If wants for for some, in some cases, wants can, desires can drive a certain feeling, but they may not be something that we actually need. So how do, maybe instead of just talking about clients that you might see, just in general, how do you recommend that our listeners or myself for that matter, make that distinction between a want and a need? I mean, we have to develop a certain amount of self-awareness in that regard, but are there certain, 
boundaries that we should be looking toward to make that distinction more effectively? As far as strategies? Is that, strategies is that what or, your question or, is? Yeah, just, I guess, ultimately, distinction. I mean, we're going to talk about how to implement healthy self-care here in just a second, but I'm just curious, mm-hmm. again, for the sake of perspective, make, making sure that we're approaching this conversation from a healthy place, if one of the ways that, that unhealthy self-care happens is where we confuse wants with needs, how do we mm-hmm. make that distinction between a want and a need for ourselves? Um, I, well, we can talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Hmm. If it has to do with our food, our clothes, our mm-hmm. shelter, our basic necessities, mm. things that really have to do with safety and security. Mm. Even though people can attribute money to safety and security, sure, but sure. outside of that tangible, you know, that if it, it has to focus on basic needs and how, how am I taking, how am I having my basic needs taken care of? As far as how I how I live, am I able to eat, um, and how I clothe myself, how I protect myself from yeah. external, the outside environment. Yeah. So I mean, and I know we're we're kind of digging deep into this one, but I, so those Mas, that Maslow's hierarchy of needs kind of represent the absolutes, the things that we need as human beings to to exist. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's built into that. I can't remember if it's built into that hierarchy, but human connection is really important, right? Healthy relationships mm-hmm. is, I would mm-hmm. say is part of that. Um, outside of that, everything else, and, and I guess in many cases are wants versus the absolute needs. And though it may sound extreme to make that distinction, I think it's a great place for all of us to start. I mean, we talk about perspective, perspective ultimately drives thought, which then drives feeling, which then drives action. And I think it's important to maintain a healthy perspective about what it is that we have um, as just a baseline when it comes mm-hmm. to this, this notion of self-care, because in some cases, maybe we prop it up a little bit too much. But the flip side of that is that, again, we need to take care of ourselves. If we don't, not only do we hurt, but those around us hurt as well. And so I'm curious, maybe just a, a very practical application. What are a few ways that photographers as entrepreneurs, I know you work specifically with entrepreneurs, which I think is really cool. Um, as, as entrepreneurs, what are a few things that photographers can do to better take care of themselves so they not only function at the highest level, but also are able to better serve others as well? Um, three things that I think, I call it my rib method, R-I-B. And you know our ribs on our body, right? It protects our, the most vulnerable pieces. Mm. Not pieces, but our most vulnerable organs. <laughs> <laughs> They're pieces, sure. Pieces of our body. <laughs> so the the strategies that I've coined is rest, identity, and boundaries. That's the rib that I'm um, associating with the protective layer that we need to, for us emotionally, for us spiritually and mentally. Mm. So it's more figurative, of course, than literal. But when we think about rest, I think, our culture, culture is another thing that we tend to throw out a lot. We get so caught up in the hustle and grind mentality and mindset that really stresses sacrifice over productivity. The more I sacrifice, the more I give of myself, then I'll be rewarded in the end. I think of companies um, that reward people that 
have never taken a sick day or have mm. never, you know, taken a vacation. Oh my gosh. Um, Maddie has been here 15 years and she's never taken vacation. She gets a certificate. What is that? That doesn't even like really, how can, how is Maddie even in her right mind mm. not having a break from putting so much into building somebody else's, you know, company yeah. and making them millions to where she can't focus on herself. Mm. And so I think that whole sacrifice, you know, sacrifice who I am for the greater good is over is overused as well. And knowing the importance of taking a break, because when we refuse to rest, we fall into the mindset and the notion that I'm not doing enough. I'm not enough. And I'll never, um, have time to do anything. Um, and we, we tend to think if I'm not constantly doing, then I'm going to lose time and time will, time will always be there. Like we said earlier, it's how you use it, but we over, we can overextend ourselves if we don't rest, which is the R, um, in the strategy, then I identity as a photographer, there's so many great photographers out here. And if we get so caught up in watching what other great photographers are doing, then we tend to lose our identity and becoming who they are instead of focusing on our strengths and things that we are good at. Because it's like, oh my God, I have to be like them because they're doing this, that, and the other. And that's not who we were created to be. That's not who we were meant to be. They may focus on weddings. Maybe you may need to focus on newborns because you just have a gentleness with that population. Just knowing who you are in your field of expertise is so very important with self-care. Because mm. once we lose ourselves, then that also leads to burnout because we're trying so hard to keep up with everyone else. And we get so depressed because we don't know what our purpose is mm. because I'm trying to do what somebody else is meant to do instead of what I'm meant to do. Yeah. So when you, and then, just, just for clarity before we keep going, cause this is a, such a huge one. we talk about it quite a bit here on the podcast. Um, you know, the idea of personality, Enneagram types, personality types, uh, being introverted, extroverted, et cetera. I think the photography industry, I mean, culture to, to use the word again, but culture, but certainly photography industry, has also been a bit obsessed with with these ideas for a while. And the thing that I have concern about in that regard is that we get so tied into what we're calling our identity, whether it's a personality type or an Enneagram type or otherwise, is that we, it, I mean, in many cases, it's kind of a construct, right? These are behavioral patterns represented by certain words or numbers. And we have mm -hmm. the ability to proactively change those behavioral patterns. So are we talking about that notion of identity? Or are we talking about as you as you pointed out, the the idea of purpose, what it is that we're striving to do to, I guess, serve the world at large. Now, I'm focusing on the idea of purpose. Okay. The Enneagrams, that's that's a whole nother layer of <laughs> <laughs> identity. Yeah. But the identity I'm talking about more so centers around the purpose aspect and what and areas that I can do to not be depressed and not be burnt out because I'm living in my purpose of what I'm great at and what I love instead of what somebody else tries to put on me. Hmm. 
Man, yeah, that's a tough one too. I mean, you, you pointed out something interesting earlier, which is people that are working for other companies. I mean, that's that's the majority of the population, right? You're working for a different company, yeah. you're making somebody mm-hmm. else money, but it also provides income for you as well. But yeah, at the end of the day, it, it can be exhausting. Certainly, I mean, I, I've worked for various corporations over the years. Uh, it can be, it can feel exhausting, especially after a long period of time where you're putting all this time and effort in for the sake of somebody else or for another company. And, um, it, you do kind of lose sight of, all right, what's, what is, what is my significance in this world? Um, mm-hmm. maybe not necessarily who I am as much as what am, what did it, what am I even here for? If I'm just constantly working for somebody else, what, what am I actually trying to achieve or strive to do? And, um, man, that's a, that's a tough question too, because I don't know that and even, not- go ahead. Yeah, and I'm not saying that working for someone else is wholly wrong because oh, sure. companies need people to be a company. I'm not saying that, but what I am emphasizing is the importance in having a balance for yourself. It's, you have to sustain your life, your livelihood. You have to take care of your family. So I don't want to make it seem like I'm saying quit the company. Don't (laughs) like, I'm not saying that. Don't say that. My company will be in trouble. (laughs) I know. Please don't leave Nate. Please. We need it. But I'm just saying it's, just important to take to take care of yourself so you can even go to work with more energy and you won't always mm. need that Starbucks cup all the time or <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts all the time it's true. to get you through the day. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. And, and it's been cool actually to see in the last, I don't know, maybe 15 years or so, these companies that are even some of the bigger corporations that are beginning to put things in place where um, they are giving their... Uh, employees a break during the day, one form or another. Um, they're giving them various benefits that you know, twenty years ago, twenty five years ago, people would have kind of sh- shake, you know, sh- shaken their head, shook their head at. Yeah, there you go. There's some grammar. Um, and whatever and you want to be. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, everything from game rooms to maybe lunch breaks, fancy lunches, or, or mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and even I mean, something that we've even been doing internally, um, and I've been doing it internally as of late is is working to build opportunities for our our existing team um, to be able to grow within the company because the last thing you want to feel is stagnant as well, where you're just kind of stuck in something. Um, so it's been mm-hmm. cool to see companies do this, and and I think it's really important to your point. So we start with the significance of rest making time mm-hmm. to take a break, whether it's actual physical sleep or just taking a break from the work, getting rest, identity, um, ultimately the, I guess the room to have purpose. Would, would that be a good summation? Yes. Okay. And then the third one you said was boundaries. And I know we talked about this a little mm-hmm. bit more, but break this down in a little bit more detail for us, if you will. Boundaries is pretty much knowing your limitations in order to capitalize on your strengths knowing when I can't do everything, I have to delegate, knowing that it's okay for me to say no for the betterment of my business. I can't always do business with every company that comes to and my partner with me because that may not be the best move for me and my company and my brand who I represent. You know, we are our brands. And so boundaries is pretty much setting those limitations in place in order to capitalize on things on such as your strengths and knowing when to say no. Hmm. And I, again, your, your communication and teaching style is just wonderful. I love it. It, it. You're very much to the point and it's easy to follow. Know your limitations. I was taking notes here as you were talking, know your limitations <laughs> to capitalize on your strengths. 
Uh, again, big, I just, I'm, this drives my curiosity. Where do you feel the line is between knowing limitations and working on them a little bit just for the sake of continuing to better yourself and then drawing the line to your point and saying, okay, enough is enough. I need to focus on what it is that I'm good at, but how much should we still push ourselves? Mm, now, as far as a business mind, now personally, I'm not, when it comes to limitations and things to where family says you need to work on this. I'm not saying, hey, you know, disqualify that what my girlfriend or my husband or my wife says I need to work on because I'm focusing on, on hey, I'm a good talker. So if they say I talk too much, I'm just going to capitalize on, you know, I'm just gr- a great conversationalist. Not saying <laughs> that. But when it comes to biz- your business model, you know, you may, you may want to interact with your clients and be personable but you can't send out every email, especially if you're a growing company. I focus on emails because if I'm so focused on the minute details, then I miss the bigger picture. So that aspect of limitations and strengths, knowing, okay, I can delegate this to somebody and they can still um, help my business grow without me having a finger in it, but just telling them how I want it done, if that makes sense. I think so. Yeah. So there are opportunities to refine what it is that we're doing as a company, for example, or as a business, but it doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that I need to simultaneously be a photographer and and then learn how to be an accountant as well. We're talking about taking on big responsibilities that fall outside our our abilities. Right. That fall outside your area of expertise. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you're right. That's, that's what we have. I mean, this wonderful set of resources, it's, it's fascinating to me, actually, any, pretty much anything that we do now as business owners or just as individuals, you can do a quick Google search for that thing. And you can probably find a piece of software or a service that will do it for you. It may cost, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, there's still an opportunity there to, to delegate that thing out. So, um, that's, that's a great right. reminder. We're either sacrificing time or money. So which one is more important to you, your Mm. time or your money? You can get more money, but you can't get more time. Yeah, oh, that's that's true. Well, I think at the end of the day, the boundaries that enable us to, as business owners, both be able to have a life, to have time beyond this computer that we sit in front of, it seems like constantly, and ultimately to focus on the important relationships in our life. It's super important, and it's a great reminder and I appreciate this conversation. I appreciate you kind of indulging me too. And a lot of the questions that I have, because these are the things that I think about uh, quite a bit. And it, it goes and in your head, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's fun to have somebody like yourself who has that expertise and knowledge um, to comment on it. And it, for anybody listening in, I, I told Courtney before I started, I was like, please push back, like be, be straightforward with me. It doesn't, doesn't bother me. Um, I love to get your your perspective and your expertise. So I appreciate you doing that. I appreciate you making time for all of us today and doing this too. Will you just kind of remind listeners one more time, not only where they can find you, but if they're looking for help in this regard, if they need some coaching, can you just talk a little bit about what it is that you offer in your services? Um, in my services, I offer individual counseling and coaching. Um, and I also cater to my social workers as well. Um, in my field by providing um, supervision so they can take their license and continue to move up in the field of social work. So I provide the therapy. Um, You can find me on CourtneyLPorter.com. And my Instagram is CourtneyLPorterLCSW, as well as Marcus D. Porter Studios um, for the photography aspect of what I do. Um, 
yes. And yeah, that's pretty much what I what I have going <laughs> That's on what right you now. got going. No, well, it, it, I really can't thank you enough, Courtney. I'm excited that we got to make this happen. And actually, very quickly after our conversation this week, I appreciate yes, you I'm making... excited. Well, and I appreciate you making time for all of us too, um, especially out of your schedule. And as Courtney pointed out, for everybody listening in, and I popped this up on the screen, I'll do it again, CourtneyLPorter.com is Courtney's website and then MarcusDPorter.com, their photography website. And then we'll link to Instagram as well. Courtney L. Porter, LCSW. Got all the initials right. Right. And, uh, <laughs> Marcus D. Porter Weddings as well. We'll put all this in the show notes at BocaPodcast.com. Thank you, Courtney, once again for, for hanging out with us today and for sharing your expertise Thank and you, your Ray. advice with us. It's always fun talking with you and hanging out with you.